And this is just the insanity that surrounds active alcoholism or active addiction. You know, the emotional pain that I was going through did not match the physical pain, you know, and that I think was the thing, you know, no amount of physical pain could touch the emotional pain that was going inside. And welcome back to series four of the Smile Revolution podcast. I'm Victoria Wilson, a dental therapist. This podcast is created for you, the dental profession, all around the world to inspire you in your career through the content shared by the wonderful interviewees. On today's show, I had the pleasure of speaking to Sarah Thompson, a dental therapist, who shares her remarkable personal story about her recovery from alcoholism. She is an absolute inspiration, and there are so many lessons in this podcast recording for us all. Sarah, I want to personally thank you for sharing all you have in this recording. Throughout this series, we will continue to share content on how to open doors of opportunity. And in support of this, it's now my time to share everything I have learned in running the Smile Revolution with you. And I've released a five-week course entitled Launching an Oral Health Promotional Project and Business. So join me and launch your own Oral Health Promotional Project too. The link to my course can be found on the website. And lastly, before we start this week's recording, if you felt the strain of the last months as I have and are searching for some dedicated you time, supporting your well-being as a dental professional in the comfort of your own home, you can now join me for Smile Revolution Yoga, running online every week. Details on the website. So today on the show, I've got Sarah Thompson. So thank you so much for coming on to the Smile Revolution podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. My absolute pleasure. And just to give the listeners a bit of a background, Sarah and myself actually met through the Smile Revolution Yoga that I'm currently running for dental professionals during lockdown. And she reached out to me and said that she would like to speak about something very close to her heart that she feels could support maybe other clinicians during this time that she has also personally gone through. So I just want to thank you, Sarah, for first of all, reaching out to me during this time um and secondly being so willing to share something p- so personal about you to support others which the smile revolution podcast is fundamentally all about so i think the area that maybe we're going to start on speaking about first is the recognition of what we've gone through or what we're going through at this period of time um having stepped away from a clinical setting um, to be having been away from a clinical setting for dental clinicians that are in practice to now returning, it's a stressful time. And what would you like to share really from what you've gone through, I guess, Sarah, on this? Well, I think the important thing is to say not to um, hide behind anything. I think in our profession, we're very good at hiding behind 
um, a facade. You know, we have the initials after our name and we have a uniform and we have a surgery. But actually, you know, some of the time we have to be we have to be pretending because we're trying to put our patients at ease. But obviously during this time, you know, that facade is broken down. And I think it's just giving ourselves the permission to own that the stress that we're under and know then how to deal with it and talk to one another. So yes, I think in normal situation, you know, we're we're very stressed. There's a lot of pressure on us, a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves. Most clinicians that I know tend to be quite hard on themselves. We're very perfectionists. And, you know, I think it's just knowing that it's okay for us to say, blimey, you know, this is a time where where we're really needing to to look after ourselves before we go back and we're able to look after our patients. Yeah. And you just said something that resonated with me now. Um, you're, you're right. We kind of put on this facade that, you know, again, even away from a patient setting. And this has actually come up in a podcast previously with Siobhan Kelleher, how we do go in or we welcome our patients. And although everything's gone on behind the scenes, we're fine now. Welcome, you know. And, you know, we we obviously put on that that face that we are on top of everything and, you know, willing and obviously accepting to bring the patient in to make them feel at ease. But mm. actually... Putting on the facade as way, stepping away from a clinical setting, that's stressful in itself because it's not, our, we're not being our, our authentic natural selves in doing so. Well, that's right. I think, you know, um, we are professionals and so we have a responsibility um, to our patients to act in that way. But I think of we course. also have to remember that we are human. And so, you know, sometimes getting in touch with our own emotions and the um, situations that we're dealing with our own life, you know, we can actually be of more benefit to our patients because, you know, that stiff upper lip, you know, um, hiding behind the profession and the uniform, you know, is broken down slightly. We can still remain professional, but, you know, I think we can just stop beating ourselves over the head quite so much with a stick and just change it for a feather. I quite like that analogy. You know, we're always going to be hard on ourselves and quite rightly too, because we're in a profession where we need to be. We have standards to withhold. Sure. But actually, you know, it's all right every now and again just to say to ourselves and the patients, you know, we're human behind all of this, behind all of this PPE, you know, it's us. And, you know, we're all the same at the end of the day. And it's that human touch that really resonates with people because it's real. And I just love, and I'm going to repeat what you've said there, you know, we shouldn't be beating ourselves over the head with a stick, but a feather. And that's something, you brought that up in a conversation we previously had, and that stuck with me. And it's so true. We are, we can be harsh on ourselves, can't we? Now... Going into now now your story, um, in what and why you, you reached out to me and how you feel this, of course, can help so many clinicians. We are aware that the dental profession can be can be extremely stressful. And you shared with me your story, which I'd like you to now go into to share with the listeners for them to 
understand and maybe to recognize not necessarily um, it could be in themselves or it could be for people around them or whatever it may be just to have an insight of something obviously you've gone through and how this can support others maybe at this point or in this moment of total stress and anxiety that they may be going through at this moment of time. Mm, certainly thank you well I'm actually in recovery from alcoholism and um, I never say I'm a recovered alcoholic because it's an ongoing thing so I am a recovering alcoholic and um, it's a good few years now since I had my last drink but um, I have to work at it on a daily on a daily basis I am ashamed to say I was extremely judgmental and arrogant growing up because I came from a lovely background. You know, I went to a lovely school. I got the qualifications that I wanted. I'd always wanted to come into dentistry. And, you know, everything was, was good. I now understand now that alcoholism is a disease of more. I was always striving for something else. I always wanted a better qualification. I always wanted to work in a specialist practice. You know, I, I always wanted... I was striving for something else. And when I got that something else, you know, I would be moving on to the next thing. So it may be exercise, it may be dieting, it may be, you know, um, work, anything. But there, were, there was all, nothing was ever quite enough. And I now understand from looking at these patterns and then what happened to me when I did, it did manifest itself with alcohol, that I was trying to fill a void. I don't think I felt good enough. So everything that I achieved, almost like I was trying to justify my existence by my qualifications. And that was okay because, you know, I did well and I got the job that I wanted and worked in some lovely practices. However, when I reached um, the grand old age of 40, a couple of things changed and um, I had some life changing events, which and made me sort of think I needed something else to help me you know sort of cope with life I was going to work and putting on the face you know putting on the uniform good morning Mrs so-and-so how are you but inside I was coping with the fact that my father was dying and you know I, I was in a relationship that wasn't particularly healthy but the way that I was brought up um, means or meant that I was frightened to tell anyone that I was struggling a bit so I would go home and have a glass of wine. And I think this is why it's so important to realise that alcoholism sort of crept up on me. I've never, I never, ever drank alcoholically before these life-changing um, events happened or the environment around me changed. But I'd done other things alcoholically. So all the other things I've done alcoholically um, but it never manifested itself with drinking until I realised that, you know, by going home at the end of the day, um, you know, goodbye to all my colleagues, going home, locking the door, you know, putting the blinds down, I was a secret drinker. And this became more than a habit, I became dependent on it. And this is why I think, you know, it's so important to realise that, you know, like COVID or like you know, um, some types of perio disease to keep it relevant, you know, um, yes, there probably is predisposition um, for alcoholism, but it's not always the case, you know, that you've come from an alcoholic family. And so it's really just to explain that 
you know, because of this awful experience that I've been through, and I will go into that a little bit more in a moment, if you like, because I've met you in my recovery. And a lot of people that I work with see me as, you know, um, a, 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 you know, altogether type looking person now. Um, but yeah, it did get very bad. Yeah. And again, what you've said in this, um, Sarah, is that we are frequently all striving for more. And I think that probably resonates with all the listeners. We're thinking, what else can we do? We're high achievers and we are striving for that next thing until all of a sudden, maybe, and it's going to be very relevant, we are all going to go through huge life-changing situations that one of them maybe is now for some people um, that we haven't anticipated and we don't know how we're going to feel. So just the recognition uh, of what you've said now and what you've shared, I think is so relevant for every listener because it's, I guess, tapping in and having an awareness of this maybe before it creeps up on us. Well, this is exactly it. I was in complete, I, I wouldn't even say I was in denial because I never even considered that I could possibly be an alcoholic. Um, but now that I know that I crossed a line, you know, I'd gone from a normal drinker, even though I'd done other things quite, you know, um, erratically, I'd, I'd gone from a normal drinker and I crossed the line. I crossed the line when I couldn't cope with things. And, and I wasn't able, I didn't feel able to share those things. Now, this is a really stressful time for us, everybody at the moment. Um, and, and I was looking, I, I'm, I'm glad to say there are no statistics yet out about how much stress we're under in dentistry, or I haven't come across any, because I think we've got enough to worry about, you know, and it, this isn't a case of scaremongering. In the BDJ last year, so this is pre-COVID, um, they had a survey of 2,000 dentists and not surprisingly, you know, 85% were normal drinkers. A fifth of those reported drinking four times a week and 5.6% of those drank every day. Well, that's not necessarily a problem, but, you know, chuck in a couple of other things like, you know, ill um, family members, lack of income you know, uncertain future, those statistics that were, you know, beginning of last year, you know, can creep up. So these are the warning signs, I feel, that encouraged me to cross the line. Obviously, there was a lot of stress and a lot of um, denial around the fact that I needed to express my emotions. So the, the warning signs I now see were the fact that I had always done things to the nth degree. I was never really happy with just being good. I always wanted to be the best. And that's great. You know, we're striving for that in our profession. But I now realise, you know, it was really just filling a void um, inside at the particular time in my life. And, and, and I felt that the void wasn't filled without alcohol. And now I realise that the the insanity of alcoholism took over. I got myself into a real mess. I could not stop drinking. I had got to a stage where I told the GDC, I told the GDC because I had also committed a criminal offence. And I'm, you know, ashamed to say it, but I was not of sound mind, you know. 
Um, and so I, I told the GDC that I was, well, I was struggling. Now you'd think for any normal person and for anybody who's dedicated to this profession as I always have been, that would be enough for me to say, okay, that's my last drink. But it wasn't. It was almost like something had taken over me and it, it almost gave me the green light to drink more because I wasn't having to get into a car and drive. I wasn't having to go to work and pretend that everything was okay and pretend to be an amazing hygienist. Um, so I, I started drinking more and more rock bottoms happened. So, so anybody else would think, Blimey, you know, this is bad. If I've got to tell the GDC that I'm struggling, this is bad, I need to stop. But I didn't. You know, there were more consequences. Alcoholism, alcoholism is a progressive disease and the consequences got worse and worse. And I pushed lots of my lovely friends away because I was lying, constantly lying, because I was ashamed. I was extremely ashamed that I couldn't cope. And that I'd resorted to alcohol, which I thought, you know, was a terrible thing. And I fell down one day. I um, broke my jaw. I broke my mandible. I crushed, crushed both condyle heads. I had three vertical fractures, teeth, and I broke my elbow, all in the same fall. And so I ended up in Gloucester Royal Hospital. And all I could think about was getting out to have a drink. And this is just the insanity that surrounds active alcoholism or active addiction. You know, the emotional pain that I was going through did not match the physical pain, you know, and that I think was the thing, you know, no amount of physical pain could touch the emotional pain that was going inside. And so, you know, eventually lots of other things happened. And, and I finally... Um, realized or surrendered and admitted I had a problem but one of the conditions that I had upon my um, uh, registration initially I was suspended quite rightly so and um, after investigation and fitness to practice health committee um, one of the conditions on my registration when I was allowed to um, think about going back to work was that I engage with other alcoholics and that was my turning point. That was when I realised that I wasn't alone, that there was nothing to be ashamed of. I had done things that were completely out of character, but provided I followed a programme and didn't drink, I could, you know, start to make amends and start to get better. Um, and I'm so pleased to say that, you know, I do feel better. And funnily enough, Having gone through that, I think is one of the best things that, that's happened to me because I've got lots more opportunities now because I've shared things um, with people and I've shared this experience in the hope that just one person might think, I mean, you know, it's okay. I'm allowed, I'm allowed to be ill, you know, I'm allowed to say I'm struggling. Yeah, and speaking out, it's so important, isn't it, from just you sharing your story now. And can I ask you, Sarah, what was the turning point for you when you surrendered and you thought, right, no more? Well, I think I'd run out of places to go and people to go to, to be perfectly honest, because I'd been to my GP, I'd been to consultant psychiatrists, I'd been to friends, I had been... Um, you know, various counsellors, 
but I was lying, you know, I was lying. So I think the turning point was listening to other people who had been through the same events or the same process and thinking, gosh, there is a way out. You know, there is a way out of this. So so my, I think it was actually engaging with other people who got it, that spoke my language, you know, that actually didn't um, draw a breath in horror when I said, you know, I wasn't allowed on a plane because I was too drunk. When they didn't, you know, draw a breath in horror when I said I've lost my driving license. They didn't draw a breath to say, I've had to tell my professional body that I can't work any longer. You know, they said things like, me too. Yeah, I got, I was like that, but look at me now, I'm in recovery. You know, and if you do what I've done, you have a chance of being in recovery and getting better and then helping others, passing it on. Yeah, which is what you're doing now. And thank you so much for your time and spreading this awareness because for maybe so many of us that have never been exposed to alcoholism or are aware of somebody who has gone through it, how would we know? We wouldn't know the true story of of the events and maybe the, the signs um, and maybe the signs to maybe call out or, or talk out um, prior to escalating down to maybe drinking more and more. So I've learned from talking to you just now as well so thank you Sarah well thank you but as you say you know how would we know really because um you know alcoholics or anyone in active addiction you know can be very deceitful you know we tell lies because we're we're frightened to tell the truth we're ashamed and you know for every one alcoholic that's suffering you know there has a a ripple effect so they may, there's a family member, there's a colleague, you know, there's a friend. Um, all of these people are affected by it. So, you know, it doesn't just affect one person, it affects families, you know, and it would affect practice. So say, for instance, you know, God forbid it was another dental professional, you know, probably the team, if we've got a good team, which we should have, might notice little signs. There may be more absentee, you know, that we, we, we're, kind of hold ourselves uncomfortably sometimes but there'll be more backache and with our patients of course we're in the prime position because we go through a medical history with them you know they were probably live they were drinking too much like we know they often lie you know or, or twist the truth with their smoking um but we are in a prime position with our patients because we're seeing them so frequently we would notice a change in their presentation you know somebody who's possibly had you know really good oral hygiene you know, suddenly comes in looking a bit dishevelled, you know, aura hygiene's gone. You know, we don't jump to conclusions, think, oh, they must be an alcoholic. No, of course but not. No. Certain things like that that I think we notice in our patients and certainly, you know, in our colleagues if we have, you know, good team approach. Yeah, and I think also that's also the point of this podcast today is to create that awareness um, in ourselves, amongst our families, amongst our extended friends, within our work setting, and obviously for our patients as well. So there are lots of telling points like you've highlighted. Um, 
Is there any advice you said about speaking out for, um, you know, maybe people that feel a bit unsure or maybe slightly concerned about things before maybe going down that point? What advice would you, or, or down that road, what advice would you give to support those that maybe struggle to speak out? Have you, have you come into anything within your your work on this now that could help people in that preliminary kind of maybe phase yeah I mean certainly the number of people that I um tell about my alcoholism and I, and I don't mind disclosing my anonymity at all because I think it helps others sure. but the number of people that I tell you know they often will say oh you know I know so-and-so or my mum or my dad or you know my whatever um, so it touches lots of people. So just actually speaking out, but within our profession, we're very, very lucky because we do have a dentist health support trust, you know, and this is all extremely discreet, but I now know that I don't have to be discreet to start with, you know, I was, oh, gosh, you know, and I was convinced that everybody at any dental meeting would say, oh, look, she's the one, you know, she's the alcoholic. But of course, you know, it's not all about me. And this is another thing with alcoholism. We think it's all about us, you know, but it's not. You know, everybody has their own problems. But within the profession, you know, obviously, if we if you're working for a corporate, you know, there are various mental health um, support uh, teams in place. But we have a very specific one within dentistry um, as a helpline, which is open 365 days a year. And um, that's the Dentist Health Support Trust. So, yeah, within the profession, we're lucky. Yeah. But if we don't want to keep it in our profession, you know, then most doctors now will know where to signpost us to. One of the things that I'm involved in is trying to make doctors and dentists more aware of alcoholism because, you know, they only know what they've learned in the book. You know, yes. that's all I knew, you know. And as I say, I was extremely judgmental. I thought an alcoholic was someone who was swigging wine out of the brown paper bag you know on a park bench you know and actually that's possibly where I could have ended up yeah and thank you for sharing um that trust we'll sh we'll share the details under the podcast now um and that's obviously extremely helpful um for any listeners to maybe think okay if they feel the need to contact anybody that's maybe who they could reach out to but just also going back to your point that you shared with me in our conversation that you highlighted earlier and I re-highlighted is you know, not beating yourself over the head with a stick, but more like a feather. And self-love and self-worth is so important, isn't it? And in our in our work. And have you got any input that you'd like to share on that? Well, I think a lot of it is responsibility. You know, I felt completely responsible for everybody's happiness, everybody's oral hygiene, all the girls at work. You know, I I had. A massive sense of responsibility and I think it's the expectations that we put on ourselves absolutely so I feel expectations that. yeah have to be realistic you know and that doesn't mean we have to lower them you know so, so, so to such an extent you know um that we don't do, do things properly but I think it is just you know managing our expectations managing our patient expectations and um you know just being realistic really Yes. And we we do have that earnest, don't we? We do have, we feel so responsible for our patients' oral health. And 
I've always felt this, you know, oh, maybe that slight disappointment or what could I have done more or what could I have yes. done better in the last appointment? What did I do wrong maybe that didn't necessarily or what was I lacking in my delivery to result in maybe the patient not getting to the point of where we'd like them to be in their oral health journey now? So, yeah, that's so true. And I'm sure that resonates with so many people. And we're so closely connected with our patients in the nature of how we work. There's such an intimacy in the way that we work because of the sheer proximity to a patient's place in the chair and us obviously leaning over them. And I'm sure that has an effect to a point as well in our earnest, in our responsibility. But we get to know our patients we so do. well, don't we? You know, and now I mean oh gosh when I qualified as a hygienist many years ago you know we would just talk about teeth and the oral cavity you know now we look at the whole body you we, know, do. we look at the whole person and uh, you know I think now we can be a lot more aware yeah and that is very true, isn't it? Our approach is changing and constantly evolving. And this is why I think to have a conversation like this now is very pertinent to the time of, of what we're going through globally as a profession, as the public in general. And thank you, Sarah, so much for sharing what, what you have shared about your personal journey today. I know it's going to help so many of the listeners either directly, indirectly, um, throughout the, the public that they know, or maybe even the messages that they share. And, you know, thank you so, so much because I'm so grateful for you reaching out to me and coming on the show to talk about something so personal. Well, you're very welcome. Thank you. I do hope that it helps someone, but it's also helped me. You know, I have stayed sober today and, um, you know, that's amazing. When I look at this time five years ago, I was wired up. You know, I had those awful injuries that I mentioned. And, um, you know, now I'm in a position to be able to speak to you and, you know, stay sober. So, yeah, thank you. It's helped me too. You're wonderful. Thank you so much. But Sarah, just before we end this podcast, it's the Smile Revolution Fire Round. And I would like to ask you, where would you like to see the management of stress within the profession maybe five years from now? Well, I think I, I'm, I'm going to get some brownie points now because, you know, things like mindfulness, things like yoga, you know, things like team building exercise, anything like this, you know, we're, we're slowly getting there. But having an approach like that, never making assumptions about anyone or anything. And, you know, just being open to asking questions to one another without feeling that we're prying, you know, just to sort of, you know, take care of each other. This is something that I say to myself and chanted to myself many times in the past which seems to help me get through most situations. If you really think about the words, I think you'll, you'll get it. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That's so lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it, rate it, and leave a review. 
please email me on info at smile-revolution.net. I can't wait to learn how this recording has impacted you. And lastly, don't forget to like, subscribe and follow Smile Revolution on social media for more content. Please engage in the comments section. I will read all and respond to as many as possible. The podcast audio is available on all major platforms and some video content on the podcast can now be found on the Smile Revolution YouTube channel. To stay up to date on all Smile Revolution projects, subscribe to the Smile Revolution newsletter by emailing info at smile-revolution.net stating subscribe to newsletter. You can now join me for Smile Revolution Yoga, yoga dedicated to the well-being of the dental profession. Thanks so much for joining and being part of the Smile Revolution.